the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 25 Outland Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And I'm going to let Simon introduce this one because it's one of your choices. It is and... Today we are going to be watching all six episodes of the Australian sitcom Outland. It's a show from 2012, which I really enjoy. And this is the story of a gay science fiction club. (laughs) Or more accurately, people, a small group of people who've been kicked out of a gay science fiction club, so set up their own club. We've never heard that happen before. No, it's um, the the main character in this is a a really nice lad called Max, and he, there's also his best friend who is a very flamboyant, larger than life character called Fab. There is a ethnic o- o- Australian in uh, lesbian in a wheelchair called Ray, a gay doctor called Andy, and another fellow called Toby, whose story will come out as we go through. It's an awful lot of fun. Um, the gay bit aside, it says a lot about fandom in general and <laughs> fandom infighting, which is something that obviously I have no familiarity with whatsoever. Honest, yes. But before we delve into that, we've got another little slice of Australia with us in that we have the tonic screwdriver. <laughs> This time around, we have an Australian gin, and it's called Four Pillars. It's a small batch Australian distillery from the Yarra Valley. And instead of the normal info bollocks that we get on other gins <laughs> yabbering on about all the different oh, botanicals, yes, t- tastes of hazelnut, where no wood taste and fruit of- trees and uh, seagulls and sea water and yeah. old. Uh, Refreshing. Sutton, Sutton monkey bollocks and whatever. Um, all it says is it's got botanicals and some of them are Australian. See, I love Australian humour um, for very much that reason. So, will we give it a try? We have TARDIS ice cubes this time around. Ooh. I think now. that's lovely. Um, it has a real sharpness to it. Really quite citrusy. No, I'm getting aniseedy licorice from that. And I'm not a massive fan of aniseed licorice. Now, we've had one of these before, but that's nowhere near on the same level. It's drinkable, but it's not for me. Right. I think this is a, a safe four. I'm going to give it a two, but that's only my personal preference because I don't like aniseed or yeah. licorice. I can't say that I'm going to change from the two, but in terms of the smoothness of it and the flavour of it and the way it's done... I can see how somebody who does like it, it would be a very, very nice yeah. gin. I, I think that this is a lovely smooth smooth gin. It's got a nice sharpness to it. I can kind of see what you mean about the the aniseedy star anise type mm. undercurrent flavour. I think it I think it's fairly subtle. I'm not an enormous fan of aniseed and it's not putting me off. Mm. I can guess that if that's the sort of flavour that you would really hate, then it wouldn't be for you. But you'll manfully force it down. Oh, well done, you. Pick up your glass. We shall descend into the bowels of Podcasting House. And let's open the Black Archive and see what I can pull out this week. 
Um, well, my choice for tonight is going to be apparently the very first edition of the Eurovision Song Contest from 1956 doesn't exist. And also the ninth edition from 1964 was destroyed by fire. So the audio of those exists, but I know that there's a big gay following for Eurovision. A, a little bit. A little bit. I didn't realise this until uh, my friend Paul, I saw that he had a VHS collection stretching back many, many years with the Eurovisions immaculately archived. And it was explained to me that yes, it's a, a very big gay thing. So um, in keeping with the theme, we'll, we'll have those two editions back. Okay. I mean, we could we could do an episode on the Eurovision Song now, Contest at some point. I'm not prepared to extend my appreciation of gay pride that far. I hate Eurovision with a passion. I have a DVD of the 51st winners of Eurovision, which is an experience. Some of them are dreadful. So that would be 2007, would it? I don't know. No, you don't do the smile. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, we're not doing a Eurovision one. I can't sit through that. They go on for hours. We could watch just the winners. Oh. <laughs> Even Alan won't sit through. No, answer. I right. love the man. So anyway, what have you? What's your choice? I'm going to go with the missing episodes of Public Eye because I've been watching. I've been watching that this week. The surviving episodes. It was a initially ABC, then Thames, I think. <laughs> detective drama about a quite sort of run-down private detective initially in London and then in Brighton and as with many ATV series from that time there are quite a number of the episodes that are missing the ones that survive are great they're gritty and a bit seedy and fantastically entertaining Um, there's one with Caroline Ford that's just superb was this before or after? After. After. 64, 65 it started, ran for about 10 years. And there, I think there's only five episodes surviving within the first three years. Story of a um, private investigator. Partway through the series he gets sent to prison and then the, the series starts to look at how he, how he copes with life after prison because he's not able to go back into private investigation so it, it, it's how it, he still gets involved in, in people's lives yeah. a bit grim in places but well worth a watch so so shall yeah. we crack on with the first episode of Outland I'm quite looking forward to this now because I don't know a thing about it so uh, let's uh, run VT delve into the world of fandom run VT Okay, that's one of the campus things I've ever seen. It was brilliant. That was the, the first episode of, of Outland, and it's the story of five gay science fiction fans <laughs> who, prior to immediately before this episode, were a member of a members of, of a larger group, um, and dramas at that group, in, mainly involving the the breakup of uh, one of the members, Ray, who the woman in the wheelchair meant that they, 
this group of characters is no longer welcome in that group. Now, the main character, Max, starts off the episode on a date with a, um, a non-science fiction fan. And not we, yes. Um, by the name of Dylan. We go back to Max's flat. Max has a bit of a panic because of the amount of science fiction stuff that's around the flat. So he makes his excuses, goes in, clears as much stuff as he can. Dylan comes in, they start making out, and gradually the other members of the science fiction group turn up, telling them about the drama that's ha- happened at this at the, the meeting that uh, Max was supposed to be at. First one to turn up is his best friend, Fab, who's very camp and over the top and is desperate to... Uh, realises very quickly that um, Max has a, a fellow over, which is quite unusual for him, and Fab is absolutely alive with curiosity. So Max bribes him with a, um, a rare action figure and hides him in the, um, in the front hall. And just as, and Max has persuaded uh, Dylan to head away and hoping to meet up with him later on. Just as he's got Dylan to the door, other members of the group turn up, Toby and, and Andy. And so Dylan starts chatting away to them. Fab comes out of the, the cupboard having found a Dalek play suit and so he comes out wearing what he describes as a Dalek dress and slowly, slowly uh, Max's science fiction um, obsession which he's been trying to keep under wraps while he, he's on this first date with Dylan sort of comes to the fore and ultimately um, Dylan has enough um, walks out Max goes after him um, Dylan tries him to tries to persuade him to come along to the, this party, and Max isn't. It's quite tempted to start with, and then Dylan makes a joke about Daleks not being able to go upstairs, and Max just turns around and said, "You know what? This isn't going to work," and goes back to his um, happy little clique of geeks. That was clearly written by somebody who knows Doctor Who intimately. The whole thing from the word go is littered with Doctor Who merchandise and references in a detail which... Even down to the Gary Downey Doctor Who cookbook. Or the cookbook. That nails fandom quite hard. In fact, uh, as we sit here watching various archive recordings of varying quality, there's a line in it which I thought was wonderful, where they found this pilot episode recording from the early 70s of the science fiction programme. Troy has tracked down... Toby has tracked down an extremely rare copy of the 1972 unscreened TV pilot of Space Station Beta. Beta Beta go! In the pilot, the close-knit crew are infiltrated by this mysterious visitor. His sabotage sends the station hurtling off course and into the forbidden zones. And the crew has to find their way home. And it's the chain-smoking monkeys, the helmsman. So you've all seen this already? No. no. The files are DeVick's conversion of a VHS tape of an NTSC signal from a Canadian public access station, so, you know, but it's so rare, I'm sure we can make allowances for the quality of the picture and the sound. That's about the level that we're working at here at the Exton Moss Experiment. Um, well, it isn't really, because pretty much everything we watch is on decent quality DVD. We have cruised in the dodgy quality area. Oh, nothing compared to what we used to. I mean... Do you remember pre-VHS fandom? Uh, pre-commercial VHS uh, yes, fandom? Yes, yeah, when, when you were 10th generation. Some of the appalling quality Doctor Who that yes. we used to sit through 
just so that you could, I don't know, watch the Crotons or something. It could have quite frankly been anything. By the time we'd got the 10th generation copy... And you got hold of something that nobody else had. Yes. It was just that little, oh, I've got Monster of Peladon and nobody else in my area has it. <laughs> and you watch it and it's utter shit. Um, well, I remember a, um, there was a, an extra on a DVD where Gary Russell was on about audio recordings from the 60s. And uh, all these audio recordings of very, very dubious quality were all immaculately presented in cassette cases and they said you'd get Marco Polo from 1964 and it was basically but I'm listening to Marco Polo and it was that level of excitement you couldn't tell a word anyone was saying and in the case of the VHS copies I saw the the Betamax in some cases you could barely see what was going on but it was exciting oh we still watched it and actually, it was around that time that I was starting to get into the archive television mm. thing as well as Doctor Who. So I had somehow got hold of appalling copies of The Omega Factor. I know how I'd got hold of them. I'd been to the World Science Fiction Convention in Brighton. I've been to quite a few world cons. And I'm going to the one in um, Dublin ooh, next month. But the one in Brighton, they had a video room. And overnight, they showed... Uh, there, there was somebody who brought in a load of VHSs of old British TV science fiction. And there was one night that they did all 10 episodes back to back at the Omega Factor. And I was just absolutely blown away by this. I can't remember who it was that, we, that was running it, but I, the next day I pestered and pestered and pestered and pestered until I, I think to shut me up. He uh, then posted me a set of VHSs of the Omega Factor and I watched them over and over and they were such awful picture quality and uh, this kind of thing reminds me of that golden age of joy joy of fandom that I'm not sure exists in quite the same way that it did anymore I I think we've well for me we've certainly passed this type of fandom era I don't think it's a terribly bad thing because there was an awful lot of bitchiness and fandom as I was coming through it, and I'm largely out of fandom now, it's just me and you and I'm perfectly happy with that. There's an awful lot of bitchiness and one-upmanship and I've seen more than you have. I know somebody who knows something that you don't know and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you know, or you suspect you know, that I know. And it was all that, and it does get very, very wearing. And I suspect as this series goes on, you, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to see more of that. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, I would, I'm, well, we're going to sit and watch yeah. the entire series. There were, there were some really nice little quotes and phrases. There were, that. and it's. Because um, it, there, there's one bit where um, the other members of the group turn up, and Max is getting more and more panicked about the fact that Fab is insisting that Dylan stays. And he starts to have a panic attack. Um, and Fab recognises this and says, right, I'll go and sort that, that out. Dylan stands up and says, should I come and, come and help? Um, and Fab just turns around and says, no, if you witness this, you'll never want to stick anything in it. Yes. I mean, this, is, this was made in 2011, which is roughly the same time when Big Bang Theory started. Now, Big Bang Theory, I do like. I, yeah. I can pick it up and watch any episode you like and I will enjoy it. 
This is near the one much where they go to the Star Trek. I've not I've not seen them all by any means. Oh, right. um, okay, but this has screwed down fandom as I know it far harder than Big Bang Theory. And they obviously know they're, they're Doctor Who because Intimately. they make, make a joke about, oh, um, Daleks can conquer the universe, but they can't even go upstairs. And everybody's immediate reaction is, have you never seen... Revolution? Remembrance of oh. the Daleks. That's referenced twice. They've got a Destiny Dalek prop, a new series Dalek cardboard cutout. There's a Dalek Invasion of Earth prop. I'm guessing that the writer, stroke actor in this... He's a bit of a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, and the main series writer plays the character of Fab. Anyway. And I think every gay man has their Fab. Right. For the moment with Fab, after one episode, I'm seeing an overly camp Gareth Roberts. And since Gareth Roberts, in my mind, is the real-world version of Dorian Maldivar... <laughs> it's worth it for the look on your face. Shall we watch the rest of the series? I'd like to see much more of that. That well, looks we'll, fun. We'll watch the, watch the next episode and comment on that. But yes, we will work our way through this series. <laughs> it's a bit like the the book. Have you seen the book group? Very, very vaguely, yes. Oh, I, I love the book group. It is one of my ultimate... I've had a really shit day and I just want some, <laughs> I, I just want some warm blanket television. And it's, it's either a Doctor Who or it's the book group. And with both of these series then each episode focuses on a particular character. Mm. So this is the episode that focuses on Max. And then there are other episodes that focus on Ray and Toby and Andy and Fab. And because they have the group at each person's house, you get to see a bit about that person. So we've just watched the the one that's at Max's house. I think the next one is at Ray's house. Before you spoil it too far, Ron VT... So which website should we use? Mm, Gato? <laughs> yeah, we'll make him a MySpace page while we're at it. <laughs> oh, you're serious? It's all boutique sledding now, Toby. You know, you've got your bears, your daddies, your twinks, rubber guys. Which site do you use? <laughs> I don't have an online profile. <laughs> that anyone knows about. Okay, fancyfruits.com.au, powertwinks.co.uk, digitalpenetration.com. Ew! It's digital because it's on the internet. Oh. And also about fingering. Episode two. Still enjoying it. It's good stuff. Yes. Uh, episode two features around the character of Ray, who's the only woman in the group. She's a disabled lesbian of colour in a wheelchair. Um, and as is described later in the episode <laughs> by, uh, by herself, she, did, she basically <laughs> says that she's got all of the... Um, the, the discriminations against her. The episode starts off with her visiting a photographer friend of hers who's taken a, um, a nude photo of her and wants to exhibit it in a, um, in a show that, that's about to happen. Ray's not sure about whether this is a good idea or not and so agrees to take the, the photo home and think about it and give the, uh, Jade the photographer an, an answer later on in the, in the day. She gets back to her house to find Max and Faber there, having turned up for the the meeting of the science fiction group. Um, and then soon Toby and Andy turn up. Ray is trying to hide this photo that she's um, it's sort of blown up to poster size. So it's, it, it, it's a decent sized thing. Um, and it's hidden in a, uh, in a bag. But Max is very curious about this. Um, and the more Ray tries to hide it, the more curious Max gets. 
So she hides this photo in the in the kitchen. Um, he goes into the kitchen to to make coffee to calm things down because the other thing that's happening is that Ray's ex girlfriend Simone and the breakup between the two of them in the previous episode broke up the science fiction group. Simone is coming over to collect some of her stuff. So while Ray is dealing with that, Max has a look at this photo in the bag and, and freaks out about it. Shows Andy who doesn't really worry too much. Simone turns up, she and Ray argue, and Simone goes into the kitchen to calm down and finds the photo of Ray. Freaks a little bit, um, shows the photo to everybody else who uh, show various degrees of not really understanding what it was, of being quite put off by it. Simone leaves, taking her stuff with her. She makes her peace with Ray about about the breakup. There's a subplot where Fab and Toby create Max an online dating profile. All in all, that was a fun little episode. It was. The one thing that leapt out for me, and you, of course, was the the stuffed owl, the pot plant, the yellow jacket. And the tennis racket. Echoes of the things that Sarah Jane was carrying with her as she left the TARDIS in the end of Hand of Fear, and that cannot possibly be be accidental. That's a a subtle but clear tip of the head. To, uh, to Doctor Who fandom and it's it's another indication that this is a uh, TV show that is written by by somebody who understands fandom somebody who knows the subject well enough to put little nods the head in like that and somebody who knows fandom well enough to know that in seven years time on the other side of the world there'll be a couple of middle-aged geeks watching it going <laughs> it's Sarah Jane <laughs> yes it does make me wonder how many in-jokes I miss in other series. Because that would pass by the majority of casual viewers. Almost all casual viewers, I would think. It's not integral to the plot, it's just there. It would probably pass by quite a number of Doctor Who fans as well. To be fair, yes, it would. Um, Unless you're of a certain age or know it well. You have to know the classic series and you have to know that that scene in The Hand of Fear. And okay, it's it's a classic scene. We've... Mm. We've all seen over and over again because it's an absolutely archetypal companion's leaving scene. It just makes me wonder how many things have I missed in other programmes that have totally passed me by that mean an awful lot to certain fans. Uh, but yes, it's uh, I'm enjoying this so far. So I think um, I've not got a lot to say about that. The uh, it was it's and we get we're getting to see a bit more depth on some of the characters. So we now know that Andy is a doctor. Toby is colourblind. Um, and we know more about the relationship that Ray and Simone mm. had up to the point where Ray has a, a tennis ball in her kitchen with Simone's name on it that she uses as a worry ball and partway <laughs> through the argument actually bursts because she's squeezing it so hard. So there's there, there's lots of really nice little touches like that. And the theme tune itself is a pastiche of Star Trek, which, uh, again, I also think is... It's quite a nice touch. Yeah, and the, the the TV show that they keep talking about, Space Station Beta, is obviously a, um, a parody of Star Trek. Yes. Well, a combination of Voyager and DS Nine, because in the previous episode they talk about how um, the space station was blasted off into the the forbidden zone. Oh they, yes, of course. Each, yeah, each jump got them closer home. And a female captain. Yeah, so that, that's all very Voyagerish. Without further ado, Ron VT on episode three. Penis, another penis, Ooh, alien penis, no Butch Allen key, just DVDs. 
Old porn. No science fiction? That's just for show. Look in acres of ours. Seven. Robots of death? Why? Sex is a public thing, yeah? Something you do with other people. But the science fiction thing, that's... It's a private thing. That's just for me. Why all this? When you're a surgeon, you hold someone's life in your own hands. When a patient doesn't make it through, there's no one else to blame. So sometimes you want to escape. Maybe across intergalactic space. Maybe travel inside your own body. Explore the uncharted worlds of pleasure and pain. Science fiction and sex. There's two sides of the same coin. Exploration, adventure, discovery. Because life is so short. And there's so much to find out. Do you understand? Is any of that true? <laughs> Not particularly, no. Good though, isn't it? Well, that was episode three of Outland. <laughs> and... <laughs> and in this episode, it's focusing uh, more on the Andy. sex pest, hmm? the sex pest, well, the fetishist. Well, the... Actually, pesters people. They just um, flock to him. But yeah, Andy. Andy is the hypersexualized member of the group. Um, he's always telling stories about group sex. And do we talk about fisting on this podcast? Yes, yes. I think we can get away with yeah. fisting. We can use the word fisting. It's not outlawed. Not yet. Uh, I was more thinking warn people beforehand that we might be talking about filth. The preceding podcast contains scenes which are unsuitable for young children. Is that all right? Yeah, something like that. Right, okay, so Andy, who is the um, the very sexually adventurous member of the group, um, they, they turn up at his house, which is a converted church. They go in and they find him manacled to the ceiling. And much of the episode is spent trying to find the, the key around his house that will release him from the ceiling. As Fab and Max are walking to Andy's house, Max is telling telling uh, Fab about how he was dating somebody for about a month or so. Turned out that um, this bloke that he was dating had a boyfriend of six years standing, and because of that, they broke up. Toby then turns up with his with his new boyfriend. That uh, turns out that is the same one that um, Max had been seeing. There are a few strands going through the episode. The first is trying to work out how to release Andy from this um, bondage contraption that he's in, in the ceiling, which is gradually falling out of the ceiling. There's also the uh, the problem of Max trying to tell Toby that this new fella in his life actually has been married to somebody else for the last seven years. And Fab knows about this and is try- uh, sorry, has, has promised Max that he wouldn't say anything about Toby's new boyfriend so he do, he tries to do things like dropping notes and, and things like that and in the end Toby finds out about uh, his boyfriend um, seeing other people by walking in on um, this fella and Fab making out there's then a, a wonderful uh, 2001 sequence <laughs> complete with Zarathustra music um, where Toby is desperately upset, <laughs> ranting at Fab. Andy's flat is absolutely full of sex toys, so he picks up this dildo and runs forward to attack Fab with it at exactly the same time as Andy's bondage contraption gives way in the ceiling. He falls down. Toby um, trips over him. 
ends up throwing the dildo, uh, which clocks Max in the face and knocks him down. The final scene is Toby very upset about the breakup with the the new boyfriend, Nathan, and basically saying, why couldn't people just leave things alone? And Max is being comforting, um, saying things like, well, we're doing it to... Um, to support you and um, because we care and when uh, Max is say, saying that you just see Toby turning around and giving him sort of puppy dog eyes I don't know how this story is possibly going to unfold in future episodes that was rather nice yeah again the first episode was quite light hearted and outright funny as they go on they've each got um, it's a bit of a sting in the tail yes a, a, it's more of a comedy drama than an outright comedy it is, yes, and um, oh, there, there, there's a wonderful thing where um, everybody's off looking for the, the, this key to unlock, unlock um, Andy's manacles. So he is still stuck to the ceiling, Ray is in the room with him, and they're talking about um, science fiction and things, and she was saying, well, you love science fiction, but there's none of it around. And he points her to the um, <laughs> the DVD collection that he has of all this pornography. And he said, well, look in um, that particular DVD. Opens it up and it's the robots of death. And he's saying, well, sex is a very, very public thing because you do it with other people. Science fiction is much more private because it's just for me. And they find a uh, an array of things which aren't the key to unlock the manacles. But one of them is the Tom Baker Irritardis key. It's just littered with references. It is. So that that was episode three of Outland. Mm. Um, and hopefully you found, found that entertaining. I, the, these are great. Yeah. The, the Australian version of Big Bang Theory. And to be honest, I'm preferring this. Uh, although it's not something you could watch in front of your mum. With the noticeable exception of the man I'm sat with. Um, Actually, oh no, maybe not. No. My mum doesn't particularly like comedy. Mm. Um so she wouldn't be wild keen on that. The thing that would put her off, has there been any swearing? Not that I recall. All the sexual references she couldn't care less about. Right. Um, but it, if there's any swearing, that would really put her off. No, I don't... I can't think of a single one. Right. Should we crack on with episode four? Episode four. The scariest thing I ever saw on Doctor Who wasn't when I was a kid. It was the David Tennant story. The Cybermen one on a parallel Earth. And there was another Mickey called Ricky, and he was a freedom fighter. And when he died, Mickey decided to stay on Parallel Earth and fight the Cybermen. But Ricky was obviously gay, and he had this boyfriend. So at the end of the story, Mickey and the boyfriend decide to go and liberate Paris. And I thought, hang on, here you are, off to the most romantic, city in the world with a man that looks exactly like your boyfriend except he doesn't love you anymore and he never did your lover is dead but you have this reminder with you every day a man who will never love you because he loves Rose you can't grieve properly because He's still there. It's like your relationship, your pain, is beneath contempt. You are totally alone. 
that was supposed to be a happy ending. And that was the scariest thing I ever saw in Doctor Who. Well, that was episode four of Outland, um, and this one centres around to Fab's house, but it doesn't really centre around him so much. Because when they get to Fab's house, he's away shopping, so tells them to go in, um, go in without him. They go in and meet the woman they think is his grandmother. Turns out they've got the wrong flat. And she's just really creepy. All sorts of odd things, like she has a kitchen, the, the only thing in the cupboard is mayonnaise and cat food. She has a, a little room full of um, collectible dolls. She wanders around with a knife singing to herself. It, it, it's all really quite odd. On the background of this, there are a lot of conversations that go on between the characters. So Max and Toby have quite a lot of uh, conversations that uh, Toby misinterprets as um, Max seeing more into their relationship than there, there actually is. Max and Andy have a conversation about Doctor Who and they, uh, the most disturbing thing that um, he's ever seen in, in Doctor Who, which... I think we'll probably try and find a, a quote of because that was eminently quotable. Yes, it was. Yeah. Of all of them, this is this is the oddest episode, and it's the it's the slowest episode. Yes. But it sort of it sets things in motion for the rest of the series. Because mm. this is only the first series. How many have there been? Or one. Were, there were there was only one. There was only one. It's a te- it's an awful shame, but this is all that there is. Really. Really. This is a really good idea. Oh, it's Firefly all over again. There's not really... You, I mean, you've said all there is to say about the episode. It's just a very... So, basically, a case of mistaken identity. They find themselves in the wrong house, thinking they're in the right house because the occupant isn't there. Things are twisted out of proportion. There's a, there are some nice sort of... Yeah. Horror trope pastiches. Mm. But generally, of all of them, it, it's the filler episode. But it's still very entertaining. Yes. So shall we crack, crack on, on with episode five? five without further ado? Run VT. Oh, Max, listen. Wait. You you could do the dance to this song. No, 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 yes, no, 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 no. No, don't do that dance anymore. Really? I don't do that dance. Come on, do the dance. Come on. Really, really. <laughs> We're doing the dance. They dance. Oh, when you first come out, you have to learn this dance. Every gay man must be able to do this. But we don't usually talk about it. You're making that up. It's a really big thing. There's a test and everything. You do not have a national gay boy dance. Quite a big change in tone, really. It's gone from the ridiculous to the sublime. I... I'm still reeling from the fact that you told me there's only one series of this because it's clear that there's bags and bags of legs for this to have gone in all sorts of different directions. I'll let you give away the plot and then... Right, so episode five is centred around the character of Toby and Toby's kind of been kind of a a background incidental character up until this point. Um, We know that he's, in a lot of ways, looks down on the, the other members of the group. He'll talk about the hovels that they live in and that, that kind of thing. We know that he's got a lot of money because when he first turns up at Max's house in the first episode, he's brought a, a large screen TV to it, um, to watch the, um, the show that he's brought on. We know that he's desperate for a relationship because in the, um, 
the episode at Andy's house, he has this new boyfriend that he's been with for less than a month that he's already talking about being the one and um, talking about a, a wedding. The episode is all set in a, um, a city centre penthouse. And at the start of the episode, Toby is already quite intoxicated. People turn up. Um, he's acting quite strangely around Max. Fab finds this incredibly entertaining and uh, plans to get Toby drunk so we can find out what's going on. Max is doing his level best to get some coffee into uh, Toby to, to sober him up. At the same time, they, um, Toby has made plans for them all to go and see their musical version of Space Station Beta, a science fiction programme they all really, really love. And there are various musical numbers throughout the, uh, the episode um, with music from this musical. Toby doesn't really seem to know his way around this this penthouse. And as it... Uh, and Fab searches the place while he's, he's off looking for the loop and finds out that it's a um, penthouse that's for sale. Technically, Toby does own it, but he doesn't live there. Um, and he says that he um, organised the event at the penthouse. That he didn't have to worry about Fab going through his, his things and finding new ways to embarrass him. The final thing that... Um, Fab does is say that is tell Max that the anonymous man that he's been chatting to on the internet for uh, for quite a while and getting very close to is actually Toby. Um, Max is very upset about this. Storms out, followed by Andy, who's trying to, to settle him down. Toby has a uh, a big go at Fab about how he's interfering, how he's. Um, ruining Toby's life and throws Toby out of the, uh, the flat and then Ray leaves, uh, leaving Toby on its own. So in a way, it's a more downbeat episode than any of the others. Mm. I actually think it's an episode that works really well. Um, there are some very, very funny bits. There's one bit where they talk about having a, a national gay dance of Australia and they'll do this incredibly camp choreographed thing. <laughs> It was so convincing, I've actually had to ask Simon whether that's a real thing or not. He's put me in my place. But it was... Well, no, it, I just said no. I know, I know, but it, but it was... Would it be so that I'm not Australian and I don't know Australian? Oh, no, so. no, 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 but it's so convincingly done that if it's not true... Then they had a choreographer. Don't steal the magic. What I mean is if it's not actually a thing, then it really should be. Because it was, A, not only... We well, should have exams... You should have exams before you can be gay, yes. And membership cards. Eidetic cards, biometric cards. You must be able would to perform a dance. Would you like us to be dance. chipped? It would help us know where you are then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. It was Thank you, Mr. Farage. <laughs> no, 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 let me finish. Uh, it was extremely well done, I thought. that The whole song and dance routine, because there were a few in that. Yeah. I mean, it opens up with a musical number. It does. It mo- it, it opens up with um, basically a new um, a musical number of, around Toby's <laughs> fan- fantasy about Max. So he's he's dancing with two backing dancers, both of whom are wearing <laughs> are wearing face masks with Ma- Max's face on. Um, and then there's the, the, there's the National Gay Boy Dance of Aust- Australia that they do. There's an incredibly cringeworthy dance that Toby does incredibly intoxicated directed at Max that is that that immediately precedes all Fab's revelations about the uh, the penthouse actually being 
being for sale and the um, the fact that Toby was the, the man that Max was chatting away to on the internet. So the musical stuff, the final one was quite uncomfortable to watch, but it was it was clearly intended to be uncomfortable to watch. And they, um, Ray and Andy, the, the, the sort of uninvolved characters in that, are looking at each other and very obviously, what the hell is going on here? It all, that, I mean, that was like a a one-act Arthur Miller play where everything starts out happy families and then slowly over the course of the play... Everything unravels. It just becomes, yeah, all the secrets come out and it ends up as a horrific mess for everybody. Um, and it really nicely sets things up for the sixth and final episode. I'm still very sad that this is it. It amazes me that it's not a, it, it doesn't have more of a cult following. I've um, never heard of this bloody thing, and it's... Honestly, can't remember how I heard about it. I've had a cop- copy of it for years. I've I've never actually met anybody else who's who's really heard of it. Mm. But this is going this is going to be one of those that I promote far and wide, particularly to my gay mates, because I think that um, uh, Paul, in particular, a very good mate of mine from school, I think this is right up his street. And anybody who not just enjoys Doctor Who but likes Doctor Who mm. fandom will get. Tons yes. out of the, so that, um, there are little Doctor Who references all over. So they, um, the tower block that this... Um, this paradise is, Towers. <laughs> this <laughs> is Paradise Towers. And there's actually a line there from Pirate Planet, I think. What's it for? What's any of this for? There are just little references dropped yeah. in there that no one will ever get unless you know Doctor Who intimately. It's a lovely series, and... Uh, just before we do uh, run VT on episode six, uh, we've had a full series, which is um, it's, it's worthy of for us, it is unusual, um, and it's worthy of a second tonic screwdriver because we've run out of gin. So for the second time this evening, Simon, what have we got for the second time today? We have Darnley spiced gin, which. Well, that's a bit different. I have to say, I'm not getting a massive amount of spice mm. on that. Whereas I am. That's, um, cracky, that, um, it gets the tongue. Really? Yeah. I'm not getting that at all. I think this is quite bland. Really? Yeah. I'm getting loads off that. It's not one I gravitate towards, but taste-wise, there's loads in that. Um, I'd give it a three. It's not one I'd come back to, but it is interesting. Whereas I think this is really bland and run-of-the-mill. Uh, this is three, possibly bordering on two. This is meh. This is a season 11 gin. <laughs> Maybe it's the uh, garlic, cheese and rosemary crackers that have killed your taste buds still in death. I think it's unlikely. Mm. Well, I'm, honestly, I'm getting loads off that. So I'm surprised it's not one I'd yeah, rush to the bar for. It's not one I'd repeat. Anyway, it's in the glass. We've got one episode left. Do you think we can manage it? I think we probably can. 25 minutes. Here we go. I like your outfit. You don't think it's too much? No. I like your, uh, your tint. Thanks. My stylist used this little bronzing powder. I was trying to be subtle. This way it's a tribute to Lalara's African heritage without descending into the inherent racism of blackface. No, that's very tasteful. Thanks. Hurry up, come on. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> You're not going 
going with that on your face? Get in the car! I'm not going with him looking like that! What? So, we've just finished episode six of Outland and looked at the deleted scenes as well. So, episode six follows on from the aftermath of the all the arguments at the end of episode five, with none of the group really talking to the others. Episode six is set at the local Pride March and starts off with... Andy turning up in his Jeep, having been on a medical trial and completely off his face on whatever. <laughs> so he turns up at uh, Max's to pick him up to go to the, the Pride March. And it turns out that both of them have dressed as Lulara, who is the, um, the female character in Space Station Beta that um, show they're all obsessed with. And actually, as the episode goes on, it turns out that all five of them have dressed as Lulara <laughs> with varying degrees of success. So Toby has had a stylist and has got um, a fitting dress, which demonstrates he doesn't really know how to tuck. <laughs> and he's got the, the false boobs and he's, he's had professionally done makeup. Max and Andy have proper Lulara uniforms and wigs but but no makeup you turn up to Fab and he's got red fishnets and um, a, a fairly homemade looking looking dress and turns up with boot black over his face and uh, yeah there's quite a nice scene where that um, Max and Toby are having an awkward conversation about how offensive offensive blackface would be and they turn around and there's Fab walking along in blackface and they all refuse to get into a car with him until until he takes it off. Um, so the four of them drive along. They've lost Ray. She's disappeared off somewhere. They don't know where she is. And there's a massive argument in the car and uh, um, Toby and Max and Fab end up storming off, walking through the middle of Melbourne and a fairly rough area of Melbourne trying to get to the, the Pride Parade and end up on a, uh, a local tram and they they nearly get gay bashed um, end up having to run away from some young fellas on the the tram who are uh, you know, are wanting to give them a good kicking and just as these young lads are, are about to catch up with them then Andy turns up in his jeep and, and rescues them they go to the Pride March there are more arguments they all disappear off in opposite directions they all come back together again they discover Ray, who is also dressed as Lulara, and has produced a big banner for uh, for the group. And she's just gone ahead and chosen the uh, the name Outland for their group. And the final scene is them behind the the banner, cheering to the um, to their idol, the the actress who played Lulara, who is about to um, to start the the march for Pride. And that was the end of Outland. Bit of an anticlimax, actually. Um, everything that was set up in episode five was sort of half carried through and not fully. We did. Um, no, I thought it was quite nicely done. I mean, they they did the whole blokey not wanting wanting to do touchy feely apologies, um, but at the same time reconciling things b- between them. And you you find out that Andy was on the, in the placebo group in the drug trial he was on, so that's actually his natural personality. I think it leaves it with they they've all kind of reconciled themselves they've got under the banner they've recognized that the five of them have made their own peace and their own group now okay you you don't reconcile any potential romance between toby and max 
That was the most disappointing bit. There was nothing. It wasn't even left hanging. It was all sort of shake hands. That that was a bit awkward, wasn't it? Uh, right, that's all forgotten about now, and all feelings have evaporated. It was that sort of feeling, uh, which I th- I think is is possibly true from the the way Max was at the end of the at the end of episode five. He's realised how underhand Toby's been. Now, from Toby's perspective, it will be. Uh, combination of inexperience lack of social skills all that but that's not the way that max is seeing it it doesn't necessarily completely close the door on things in the future but i think there would need to be a, a time for them to to recover themselves i'll defer to your judgments on that one but overall the, the series is excellent. because you have no experience of awkward relationships <laughs> definitely not mine have all gone absolutely swimmingly blub, 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 blub. <laughs> Yeah, as a series. Argue with it? Yeah, I can't argue with it. You know damn well. I'm, I'm just blub. The series as a whole was wonderful. I am very disappointed that whoever the powers that be are didn't pick this up and run with it because I don't think it got the ratings. Well, that's the ratings are king. I think it, it's as simple as that. Um, it, for whatever reason, it didn't do particularly well in ratings, so it wasn't renewed. I think it's an awful shame. I really like Outland. I think it's a, a great show, but it's a very niche market. It is and it isn't. It will appeal excessively to fans of Doctor Who because of all the references in it. Yeah, um, but, but a niche as, market. But as science fiction... Anybody who's ever been a member of a science fiction fan group will recognise massive yeah, they will. chunks of this. Um, and that's the group it will appeal to. I, I think as a gay show... It kind of loses that impetus partway along. Okay, there's the whole um, pride thing at the end, and it, it's a theme right the way through. But the really underlying theme all the way through this is that they're science fiction fans, and they're science fiction fans first, mm. and they're gay second. Um, and that that's very clear right from the first episode where Nathan it was Nathan, wasn't it? In the first episode, yeah, it was. Um, Nathan was saying saying to Max, "I'll leave your friends behind. Come along with me to the 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 cool." Dylan. Um, uh, no. Dylan, yes. Who was Nathan? Oh, Nathan was the uh, ghost whisperer bloke yes, in, um, in episode four. So yeah, D- Dylan was was saying to Max, you're cute, there could be a future. Come along with me to this party that I'm DJing at. Basically going back to his attitude hasn't, hasn't changed. That So he starts at one of the first things he says is science fiction, it's all a bit crap. And then Max has the the realization that actually that relationship's going to go nowhere because Dylan thinks that science fiction is a bit crap. So the important thing about them is the fact that they're science fiction fans. Now there's a whole lot going through about Andy's overactive sex life and the um, Ray's relationship with Simone, Toby fancying um, Max. Max, Fab eyeing up blokes while he while he's out shopping. But the much more prevalent references are the science fiction ones. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, yes, so it, I just think it's a terrible way so, uh, that we've got Big Bang in America and this in Australia. And this is, to me, it's got more interesting stuff. There's room for both. Yeah. Uh, and this, this would have in, uh, interested me more even though they're both essentially the same thing. But Big Bang Theory does 26 episodes a series, and they've done, what, nine series yeah, or something? It's a lot. There, there's a massive shed load of, yeah. of episodes. This is this did six. 
Um, no, but what I mean is if they picked it up and run with it and given it the, um, you know, a couple of series to breathe and, and so I would, it's a shame. Yeah. But, um, no, I would, I would recommend Outland to anybody that or, or certainly people who listen to our podcast because they are most likely to be the people who... You are our niche. You are our niche. So, yes. Um, and the, the, fi- the final honourable mention in the deleted scenes, there is, and the, the final thing on it is the entire cast, including the lassie in the oh, wheelchair, shit. who do the national gay boy dance, all dressed up in their Lilara costumes. And it is absolutely hilarious. Do you know what? To play, it's such an earworm. I'm going to play us out to this. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Take it away, guys. Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire, and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.